Under Center Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Center Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Mar, and I am joined by Fionn Malloy on this Thursday evening, looking ahead to the Thursday night football. The Cleveland Browns hosting the Denver Broncos. Uh, two sides coming off disappointing losses last Sunday. We're going to be speaking about the Browns in a little bit later on. Um, but first of all, we're going to be focusing on the Broncos side of things. And we're delighted to have Benjamin Albright from Broncos Radio on to speak with us to preview the game. Ben, thanks so much for taking the time to speak to us. How are you? I'm doing pretty well and uh, happy to be here. I appreciate it. No problem at all. We are delighted to have you on to talk a little bit about uh, Broncos football. And I'm sure if we had start, if we had spoke maybe about three weeks ago, it would have been a little more positive than probably we're going to be speaking about maybe uh, tonight because the Broncos started well, three and zero. The last three games, of course, losing to go three and three, culminating in that loss at the weekend to the Las Vegas Raiders of thirty four points, twenty four. It sounds like a close game, but all in all, it, it really wasn't. Well, right. Yeah. I, you know, the last couple of games really haven't been as close as the score has, has kind of um, uh, has, has kind of been at the end. You know, you know, they, they found ways in the fourth quarter to kind of pretty it up a little bit. But uh, really, that's just been garbage time stuff. And Vic Fangio even alluded to that in his, you know, his press conference uh, uh, after the game this this past weekend. So, uh, you know, I I. Um, I think there were a lot of people that were a lot more positive after three and oh, I was pretty cautious because it was three bad football teams and there were cracks there that were already beginning to show uh, if you were looking. But I think a lot of people uh, with this Broncos team, because it's not been great over the last couple of years, wanted to seize on that three and oh start. And I think that's led to a lot more bitter disappointment over the last three weeks when they see that, that the, a lot of what was going on in those first three games was a bit of a mirage. You sure, and the I guess the one positive side coming out of the game on Sunday is that coming into now tonight's game on Thursday, it's a short week, um, so it's you can sort of right any wrongs uh, very quickly. Uh, yeah, there's certainly that. If you if you want to go the short memory route, the other that you know the flip side of that coin is, is if they lose this one pretty badly, you got ten days to to sit there and stew on it. So uh, you better hope you come out with the win on this one. Um, yeah, it's you know it, it's tough because you're up against a, a really good football team in the Browns. Um, the the flip side of that coin, the Browns are uh, very injured right now uh like something like 37 percent of their roster is currently on the injury report which uh is not good so um you know i think if you're you know if, you, if you're denver um you have to put everything behind you from the last three weeks and and, and look at each week individually you have to go one and know each week you don't have to go uh 11 and know from here on you have to go one and know in each game that you play or try to go one and know in each game that you play and, and i think if you have that attitude you can try to get back on the right track and, and, and maybe back towards the playoff expectation you had three weeks ago. And you mentioned the the uh, Browns are a little bit banged up coming into this game. You guys have had your own injuries. Most notably, Jerry Judy has been out since suffering that ankle injury. I read today that there is a vague suggestion that he might make it back for this Thursday night game. Have you heard much on that end? And if so, what kind of a boost does that give the Broncos? Well, it would be a big boost. Uh, he's been doing a lot of extra work, but uh, everything I've been told is that they put him in bubble wrap and, and roll him back out in the Washington game. You never know. I mean, last second desperation can lead coaches to make bad decisions, but uh, coming off that injury, the extra 10 days toward the Washington game, I, I think that's just a smarter move. Uh, the question is whether or not the offensive coordinator that's coordinating now will still be the offensive coordinator at that point. <laughs> And of course, that's that's Pat Humor, who's probably not the only person who has a bit of pressure now heading into this game. Another one um, is Coach Vic Banjo, which we'll get into a little later on. But one person I want to speak about is Teddy Bridgewater, because he uh, had a poor game, four turnovers in total at the weekend, three interceptions and, and a fumble. Um, quite, quite a tough game for him in general. He sort of held on to the ball a bit, way too long. Um, and was sort of, you know, he was quite inaccurate, but also maybe various penalty flags and, you know, dropped catches probably stalled a lot of maybe what could have been um, drives that may have led to points in the game. But is Teddy Bridgewater sort of on 
the sort of quarterback equivalent of, of the hot seat here. If he gets another poor display tonight, could uh, Coach Fangio think about uh, bringing in Drew Locke? You know, maybe. I think a lot of that hinges on Pat Shermer. Um, if Shermer is still the OC, it's going to be Teddy. That's his guy. That was always his guy. It was brought in to be his guy. They had the quote-unquote competition in training camp, but the reality was the deck was stacked for Teddy from the get-go. Um, the, the, the problem is is that Teddy and Drew Locke are an interesting case study in looking at the spreadsheet versus looking at the tape. Because if you look at Teddy's numbers, the analytics people are going to go nuts because they look great. You know, but the reality is most of his numbers come in garbage time or in net negative situations, um, you know, third and 12 and he gets a seven yard completion. Well, that goes in the completion is one passing attempt, one completion, seven yards. And that looks good. And they'll stack up over the course of a game. But the reality is you didn't get a first down. Uh, so that's not good. Uh, Drew Locke is a guy who has a much lower completion percentage, but a an actually higher third down conversion rate than Teddy Bridgewater, um, which most people would, would be kind of shocked to figure out. Um, the problem is that Drew will play a little hero ball and, and throw interceptions and stuff too. So where Teddy doesn't throw interceptions, uh, usually, except for this past game, um, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting case study because it's like the Alex Smith versus Jay Cutler effect, you know, uh, taking the hyper careful quarterback. That's not going to be able to get you out of net negative situations uh, versus the guy who never met the hero ball. He didn't want to throw. Uh, and in the end, you know, figuring out which one of those is actually going to get you more points. And that that's a discussion we've had here in Broncos country. I, I've been in the minority, although that, that number is growing where I, I just telling you that Teddy Bridgewater is, it will help you beat bad football teams but in the end it's really just a prettier way to lose you'll have a higher completion percentage but you're not going to score as many points because he can't throw in the red zone he can't get you out of long third down situations and and in the end we're, we're kind of seeing that borne out a lot of people don't realize that that game last week was the first time in Teddy Bridgewater's career that he's thrown three touchdowns he's had two games of four touchdowns one game of three touchdowns and that's it in 60 something starts he just doesn't throw touchdowns so that that's the other part of this. Yeah, his completion percentage is a lot better than Drew Locke's, but his points per game, not necessarily. And then is is one aspect that you could look at to take the pressure off both quarterbacks, the running game, the Broncos have split most of their runs between Gordon and Williams in the backfield, and they're kind of hovering around middle of the league in terms of rush yards, but only three rushing, rushing touchdowns so far this season. Is that maybe somewhere you can look to try and give a bit of a boost to the offense and maybe expect a little more from that unit? Well, you should, and you should go with Melvin Gordon a lot more. Um, you know, Melvin Gordon has been a lot more effective. 40% of Javante Williams' yards have come on three carries. The other 62 carries have, have largely been, um, you know, kind of middling. Uh, Javante Williams has one of the worst stuff rates in the NFL. Um, he gets stuffed for zero or negative yardage, one out of every four carries. But all people see are those sexy highlight runs, those three highlight runs, and they're like, oh, this guy's great. And he, he <laughs> might very well be great someday, but right now he's not consistent enough. So the Broncos misuse their running backs. They should be using Melvin Gordon in you know chain neutral and chain negative situations. And when they get ahead of the chains, like a second and two, that's when you bring Javante in because it doesn't matter if he gets stuffed, you'll have the opportunity on third down. So they're being misused right now. Part of the offense is just the misuse of Pat Shermer, who uh, basically his entire game plan is take a deep shot on first down, uh, run for two yards on second down, and then kind of say, I don't know here, we'll do some kind of pass on third down where you have a quarterback that, you know, if he needs three yards, he'll get you five. But if you need 10 yards, he'll get you five. And and so that kind of creates a, an overall problem for this offense. And so I don't think Pat Shermer is going to be the offensive coordinator by the end of the year. This could be his last game, although I suspect closer to the bye. He would be fired. Um, and then Vic Fangio is probably gone at the end of the year, barring a miraculous turnaround. So uh, they need to figure it out and they need to figure it out quick. And if that is the case with, with Pat Shermer leaving after the game tonight, if not, um, then the bye, is there any sort of names in the pipeline that they've looked at to sort of take over that role? Well, uh, Mike Shula has been an offensive coordinator before. He's the uh, the quarterbacks coach. He was the offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers when they played the Broncos in the Super Bowl. Actually, um, so he's called plays before, and I think he'd be familiar enough that uh, that he would be the guy that would take over um, if Vic gets fired in season, which we don't expect. Um, you know, obviously Mike Munchak is the offensive line coach. He's been a head coach before, uh, so there are there are bodies, there are options here for that kind of thing. They also have uh, wide receivers coach Zach Azani. A, 
is kind of one of those up and coming coaches around the league. And they may want to maybe take a look at him. I don't know. So, uh, but I think those are the three names that you would look at. All right. Okay. Um, well, before we get into uh, predictions and sort of keys to uh, matchups, I just want to ask uh, very quickly about the defensive side of the ball, because it was a, a side that was touted up at the start of the season. That was going to be uh, you could say a mean defense that not many teams are going to score on. And way where it was maybe, like that for the first three weeks that the, these last couple of weeks teams have been able to score almost at ease on on, on this uh Broncos defense one two positions sorry in particular I want to ask you about first of all is the the interior linebacking group because Alexander Johnson went down with a pec injury uh on Sunday he's out for the year early on this season uh, Josie Jewell also went down he's out for the year what uh, are they going to do with the uh, interior linebacking group? Well, you're going to see Micah Kaiser and Justin Sternad. Uh, Sternad had an injury last year after a promising camp, so we didn't get to see much of him last year. Um, seen a little bit of him this year. He's okay, um, but he has some some mental lapses. Plays like a young player, and you know loses his uh, his gap at times. Uh, I think Kaiser is the better player of the two. Uh, maybe uh, maybe not quite the athlete, uh, not quite the physical presence rather that that Sternad is. But um, I think he's the better football player of the two. Certainly has a higher football IQ at this point. Uh, neither one of them are Alexander Johnson, um, who was clearly the best linebacker on this team. Uh, Josie Jewell, uh, one of the surest tacklers you've ever seen, limited athletic profile, but uh, sure tackler, great run fit guy. Um, so you might even see Caden Stearns, the rookie safety, uh, put into some of those linebacking spots as well. Maybe even Kareem Jackson brought down, uh, I think, in the, in the mix and in the rotation a little bit more simply because he's just got such a nose for the football. And how have you felt that uh, Patrick Sertain has got on this year so far? He's been great. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk in media about Justin Fields and all this nonsense, and they were never going to draft Justin Fields. Um, in fact, he wasn't even the highest remaining rated quarterback on their board. Um you know, it's it's interesting to me because I've watched the Bears try to hide fields with the run game so far. He hasn't particularly been that good, but uh, everybody ranted and raved over him. So we'll see. But Sertan has been. Sertan's been pretty good. Um, in fact, I think he's the number one rated corner uh, on the uh, on the Broncos right now. Um, you know, he's he's been everything they wanted. Uh, he's blue chip prospect, um, and 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 he's been quite good. I think he's given up two plays where you were kind of like, ah, shouldn't have done that, but. Mostly, you know, um, and, and guys are going to, you know, I mean, it's corners in the NFL. You're going to give up plays, but mostly it's been very good. And he, he looks to be absolutely a stud for years to come. Um, so, you know, I, drafting a corner over a quarterback, some people say that's not impactful towards wins. And, and you know, maybe it's not. But in, in terms of um, upgrading the core foundation of this team, I think it was the right pick. Yeah, and you mentioned there that Fields wasn't on their board. I'm guessing the the other person he's saying that was the more highly rated one was Mac Jones that they thought of more highly, um, when it came to their pick in this last draft. But if this uh, year with Teddy doesn't work out and they are not going to continue with Drew Lock, we saw the rumors on draft night of Aaron Rodgers to the Broncos. Is that something that they could visit in the off season? Uh, if the uh, if if the Teddy Bridgewater and uh, Drew Locke doesn't work out like I mentioned. Uh, yes. And in fact, I would expect them to do that. They, they felt like they had, uh, they, they felt like they were going to be able to get Aaron Rodgers. There was some misreporting on draft night. There were people talking about the uh, deal was close and all this, the teams hadn't even talked, but uh, Aaron Rodgers wanted to be in Denver. Uh, the Packers just wouldn't pick up the phone. And, and that's what really happened. Um, I would suggest that they would pursue Aaron Rodgers. There's another quarterback out there that wants out of his team that they would pursue and in, in Russell Wilson. Um, and, and I think they would look at both of those two. I think they would also look at the draft and try to figure out i mean you, you have to you have to kind of weigh the cost of acquiring either of those quarterbacks versus you know uh, drafting somebody because you're going to give up a lot of draft picks to get either of those two guys and you got a lot of guys on the broncos that are going to need contracts Cortland sutton's in a contract year tim patrick's in a contract year uh, bradley chubb is in a fifth year option uh, pickup year 
Um, and then you, Alexander Johnson's in a contract here, Josie Jewell, both those guys hurt who we already mentioned. Um, you know, they still got to figure out the right tackle position. Uh, so there are uh, quite a few things that this team needs to figure out from a financial standpoint, if they are going to pursue one of those quarterbacks, can you afford to give up that many draft picks? Um, because you're not going to be able to resign everybody. Don't make me nervous about saying Russell Wilson to the Broncos there, Ben. Don't don't do that. <laughs> I I would suggest that that was that is probably a lot more likely than anyone is giving credit for right now. Yeah, well, look after the season that the start that they've had, it's definitely something that can be revisited if they don't make the playoffs this year. But I'm sure then if it isn't Russell Wilson and if they do go for Aaron Rodgers, I'm sure Broncos fans are going to love Aaron Rodgers there in Allard. Allegan Stadium next year telling the Raiders fans that he owns them. <laughs> yeah, I need uh, I need that in my life. I need I need quarterbacks <laughs> with more attitude, man. I love that. I, I love it when quarterbacks get feisty like that. Oh, that was that was brilliant to watch. He did definitely divide opinion for sure with some people didn't like it and some people that did. I, I'm on the side that yeah, you need that bit of needle in, in the game for especially those sort of games. Very quickly, sorry, I I wanted to ask you two questions about the defense. We just got a little sidetracked there before we let you go. Um, Von Miller um, appears to have maybe had a little dip in form now the last couple of games. He started off well with a couple of sacks, but he's had no sacks in his last two games and only one QB hit. Uh, What do you think has been sort of contributing to his little dip in form? Uh, teams know that the, the Broncos can't get pressure from the other side uh, with Bradley Chubb out uh, and Malik Reed over there. And Reed is, I, I like Malik Reed personally. Like he's one of the nicest guys, always gives great interviews, all that kind of stuff, but he's really more of a rotational pass rusher. He's not a big enough guy to set the edge in the run game. And it's kind of been a liability. So what teams are doing is they're just sliding protection of onside uh, there. You know, that you put a guy, you slide protection on, uh, on Draymond and you, and you double up and chip on and, and they, they just can't get home. And so that, that's sort of been the problem. First couple of games, um, you know, teams didn't really do that. They started doing it in the Ravens game. And you, you sort of saw that when Alexander Johnson picked up two sacks and Caden Stearns picked up two sacks. Both of those were from the defense kept sliding Devon's side. So Vic just shot those guys through the gaps to get sacks. And, you know, it could sort of worked a little bit. Well, now Alexander Johnson's out. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's uh, trying to find somebody – opposite on that other side to keep offensive lines and offensive line play honest has been a problem. And, and that's the reason the productivity has gone down over the last three games. Okay. And, and now let's just look ahead to, to tonight's game, a little more overview. What do you think are going to be the, the key matchups for the Broncos to win this game later? Offensive line versus defensive line. Uh, the Broncos have to be able to protect Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy holds the ball the third longest of any quarterback in the NFL. He's not a quick decision maker. He doesn't get it out quick. Uh, tries to ride through the progression. Doesn't throw the football away. Broncos can't afford to take sacks. Meanwhile, the Browns have one of the best uh, best pressure units in the uh, in the NFL. And you know you've got to you've got to keep your quarterback clean. They did not do that against the Raiders. The Raiders got something like 17 quarterback hits in, in addition to sacks and everything else. Um, it, that is going to be the key matchup. If the Broncos can't get Teddy Bridgewater time, the rest of it is a moot point. Uh, and what about on the other side of the ball? That kind of your defensive line against their offensive line, especially if Baker Mayfield isn't playing, that's going to be surely a very important aspect to try and put pressure on whoever is under center for the Cleveland Browns. Well, philosophically, that's almost not how the Broncos operate. Um, and we're very familiar with Case Keenum here, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm plenty familiar with his, his play. But um, I, I would say that the, it actually it needs to be how the secondary holds up. The Broncos' philosophy on defense is to send the least amount of people it takes to the quarterback to get pressure and drop everybody else back and try to turn you over. Um, it's kind of the opposite of the Wade Phillips effect. It's kind of the opposite of uh, what Joe Woods runs there, who we're also very familiar with. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that uh, it's not necessarily about trying to send people to get pressure so much as it is trying to get pressure with your base unit uh, and then everybody else holding up. The problem with the Broncos over the last couple of games hasn't been, I mean, part of it has been getting pressure, but the real problem has been giving up chunk plays. They gave up seven pass plays of 25 or more yards to the Raiders. That is insane. Um, you know, they, they're giving up chunk plays. Teams have been picking on Kyle Fuller and Kareem Jackson, who both have clearly lost a step. Um, and so they're going to have to find a way to compensate for that. Otherwise they're going to be in real trouble against, uh, against the Browns. Grant, and, and Ben, finally, before we let you go, what is your prediction for later? 
Well, that's tough. Um, you know, it, it just depends on who starts at quarterback for the for the Browns and who starts at tackle for the Browns. I think if you guys have Baker and, and you got your tackles, uh, I think you guys run away in a in a, in a landslide. Um, I think if those tackles are out and, and you got Case Keenum in there, I think it's a close game and the Broncos could win it. Um, it really depends on if the Broncos are able to run the football and set Teddy up if they are. Um, you know, I think the Broncos could win a 24-17, 24-21 kind of game. Um, I, I think if, you know, if Baker's in there, the tackles are, are, are back and they're playing well, then you're probably talking a Browns 31, Broncos 21 type game. All right. Excellent. Well, Ben, thanks. Thank, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today. Really appreciate it. I um, hope you enjoy the game later. Um, hopefully it, it is a win for for the Broncos, um, hopefully, and a bit of positivity because we're we're a half a glass half full here, so we'd like to keep a positive short week. You know, forget about last week, and we go ahead for a, a Broncos win. Well, that's uh, it. Be it would be nice. Broncos fans desperately need one. I think they're about to jump off the cliff. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, our advice is stay on the cliff. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. It's only especially a, it's if only it's. A, a, Especially if it's a mile high, you don't want to be falling off that cliff. Oh, yeah. That's just some, yeah, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> Listen, thanks so much again, uh, Ben. And uh, we hope to uh, speak to you again in the future. One last thing before we let you go. Um, where can people find uh, Broncos Radio? Uh, well, it's uh, 850 AM, 941 FM uh, uh, is for KOA for the show, Broncos Country Tonight. And uh, you can listen to us there. And uh, and then I would recommend unfollow me on Twitter at Albright NFL. It's a, it's a dumpster fire. Nobody should be following me anyway. It's terrible. It's a terrible account. I would unfollow me if I could. So <laughs> uh, you just you can't convince enough people to unfollow you. I think you still. Until you uh, until you have less followers than us, then it's not working, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it appears not to be working so far. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, thanks again. Enjoy the game, and uh, we will hopefully speak to you again in the future. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Anytime. Excellent stuff. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to be speaking about the Cleveland Browns side of tonight's game. And welcome back to the Under Center podcast with myself. Daramar. Unfortunately, uh, Fionn has had to uh, fly off for the second half of this show, so I am uh, flying solo, but not entirely, because I am delighted to have two guests with me for the second part of the show to talk about the Browns side of this Thursday night football preview show. Of course, later on tonight, it is the Denver Broncos traveling to Cleveland to take on the Browns. From the Yard Dogs podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Jason Hand and Mikey P., Lads, it's so great to speak to you. How are you? It's great to be here. We're doing great. Yeah, man, it's great to be here. Thanks for having us on. No problem at all. No problem. I'm delighted to have you on and excited to be talking a little bit about Browns football uh, coming up here now. But before we do, make sure you are following us on all our social pages, Twitter at UndercenterPod, Instagram at UndercenterPod, and make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel, uh, under center podcast you find us there subscribe you'll get all our shows there including our youtube exclusive uh, betting show which will get you the best bets for week seven of the season which will be out on friday so make sure you stay tuned for that as well and make sure if you are gambling you're gambling responsibly but let's talk about the game later on tonight guys browns had a tough loss last weekend 37 to 14 against the arizona cardinals you know the injuries are starting to mount up. Uh, you know, we just heard the news on Wednesday that Baker Mayfield's actually going to be missing from this game as well. To add to, you know, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, uh, Odell Beckham's a questionable. We, we don't know if he's going to make it or not. Um, Owusu Koromoa is on IR now. You know, the injuries are really starting to stack up for the team. Yeah, they are starting to stack up. And, when you start the season, that's something that you hope doesn't happen, but it has happened to us. And it's, it's really, it's almost hard to keep track of really, to be honest with you, we're going into this game without our two starting running backs, Baker Mayfield for the first time in his career is not going to be in the starting lineup. And that leaves backup case Keenum. So we're, we're depleted, but we're still confident. I do feel good about Thursday night football. Yeah, I, I would say yeah, it's, it's a rough go right now. You a lot, a lot of injuries. Um, but this is why, you know, you play those guys, um, some of those important roles. And, and kind of going back to the preseason, the starters really didn't play a whole lot in the preseason. And a lot of these backup players, you know, got some time on the field. So 
you hopefully that pays results now with these guys having to step up like Dearness Johnson and um, Demetri Felton now having to step in for Chubb and, and Hunt when they're out. And, you know, Case Keenum led his team to an NFC championship game in 2017. So he can definitely come in there and, you know, win you a few games if he needs to. So you're just going to have to, uh, you know, trust and believe in, in the coach Stefanski that he'll have the guys ready for tomorrow night. Yeah, and, and do you think that we'll see a little bit of change in the offensive playbook now for this game? Because obviously it is a heavy running attack that um, Coach Stefanski likes to operate with. Of course, when you have players like Chubb and Hunt there, you're, that's what you're going to do. You're going to give them the ball and let them do what they do best. Now with Case Keenum, and, and you have, like you said, Johnson, uh, Daenerys Johnson's probably going to be getting most of the carries it looks like tonight. Um, do you sort of maybe give Keenum maybe the ball a little more, maybe to throw it out, and we might see a little more involvement with the likes of uh, the the tight ends Hooper and Bryant? Yeah, I think uh, you're probably going to see us go more 12, uh, 12 sets with you know having three tight ends. You got you got Hooper, Bryant, and Njoku out there. They're probably the strength of the team right now. You know, with potentially Landry, we don't know if he's going to play yet. Uh, Beckham's questionable. Um, you have Keenum coming there making a start, and then you have backups at running backs. I mean, you kind of want to go with what strengths that you have going into tomorrow. And I could I could see us utilizing more tight end sets, uh, running a lot of play action, um, and then you know hopefully hopefully staying balanced. I, I like to see balance. You know, twenty twenty five runs, twenty five passes, something like that. Yeah, I'm with you, Mikey P. More of a you know controlled attack. You know, I I don't think that. Case Keenum is going to throw it 40 to 50 times. I think it will be a balanced attack. Dearness Johnson, although he hasn't played a lot, the times that he did play last year, he thrived. So, you know, you never want to see your starting running backs, especially Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt, be out of the lineup. But Dearness Johnson will be a solid fill-in. And Demetric Felton, that's not a household name. A lot of people outside of Cleveland never even heard of this guy. But I'm telling you, he's dynamic. He's uh, He can catch the ball in the backfield. I don't think he's going to, you know, I think Dearness Johnson will probably get 75% of the carries, but look for Demetri Felton to get some action on Thursday night as well. Yeah, what seems to be the latest with the uh, the tackle situation? Because um, Conklin and Wills have both missed the game. On Sunday, they are still questionable at the moment. Is Is there an expectation that they might be back for this game? I don't think so. I mean, just looking at they haven't practiced all week, but. Wills, you know, Wills didn't practice before and he, he started, but I just have this feeling, um, you know, they're going to, they're probably going to go with Rodney Hudson again at right tackle and give Conklin another week off and, and give Wills also another week to heal up um, and just hope and believe that, you know, that the offensive line coach Callahan is one of the best in the business, you know, can get those guys coached up. And a lot of times as, as a player um, on a short week of practice, like um, both teams are going to kind of, kind of be very basic, basic, but vanilla, it kind of helps players kind of get back to basics. Um, so I'm hoping they'll be able to, you know, kind of thrive off of that, you know, going into Thursday night. Yeah, and, and looking, especially you mentioned there, Hudson coming in at right tackle, that's going to be a very important spot coming into this game because more than likely be going up against, against Von Miller. And we were speaking to um, Benjamin Albright earlier on in the show, and we were speaking about Vaughn and his sort of his issues that he's had in the last couple of games with, with no sacks and only one QB hit. So teams are definitely scheming against him at the moment. Do you think that's going to be more of the same, uh, Jason, uh, tonight? I, I think that, that they got their hands full with Von Miller. I actually saw a video with him uh, yesterday and he vowed to get a couple sacks. Now this was when Baker Mayfield was going to play. So I'm sure his plan, you know, is probably still the same with Case Keenum. We have our hands full, you know, that's somebody that you definitely have to watch out for. He's a game wrecker. Anytime you, you, you take a sack, that's almost a drive killer, right? I mean, it basically stops you in your track. So, um, we have to step up and I don't know if Jack Conklin or Jedrick Wills are going to play. I tend to agree with Mikey. I, th- I think that the Browns are trying to get through this game, ho- hopefully squeak out with a win and look forward to the 10 days off. So some of these players can get healthy for Pittsburgh. Yeah. And it is a, a, a tough schedule coming up the next four games for 
for the Browns, like you were saying, Broncos tonight, Steelers, then 10 days time, like you mentioned, Jason, then back-to-back away trips, first of all, to Cincinnati against the Bengals, and then against the Patriots. Uh, how important is tonight going to be to make sure that you stay above 500, especially heading into those uh, tough games? Oh, it's it's a must win uh, for us. You're three and three. Your backs are against the wall. Um, you, like you said, you, you, you lose this game. Now you got 10 days to think about Pittsburgh coming to town. Who's going to play with a chip on their shoulder, looking for revenge from last year's playoff. I mean, Cincinnati seems to be up and coming, and you're going to go on the road against them. They're playing with a lot of confidence. This is this is definitely a you know, if you see yourself trying to get healthy and and still being a playoff team this year, this this game is the most important game. It's it's a playoff game basically this this uh, Thursday night. And, and what's concerning, if you look at the Broncos, what they they won their first three, they lost their last three. The, the Browns have lost two in a row. Both teams are in a desperate situation. Both teams are really wanting to get this win tonight. So <laughs> I think it's going to be who wants it more. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, he's a great quarterback. Uh, the Browns defense, I think, is going to have to step up this game. I really do. I, I think if we're going to win this ball game, the Browns defense has to step up and not let the Broncos score a lot of points. I mean, you know, Case Keenum, I think he's a, a great solid backup. I think he's going to do well. He knows the offense very well. He, he knows the system well. He's sat behind Baker for the last couple of years, so there's not going to be a problem there. And, and also with Case Keenum, this is something that's interesting. I mean, he's used to practicing with the twos. You know, he should have some chemistry with some of these um, running backs and wide receivers. So, so that's going to be something to look for as well. But I, I'm excited for this game. Both teams need it. It's going to be a matter of who wants it more. Yeah, and that's uh, is an interesting point, I guess. You know, with the likes of like you were saying, the the, the two that so he does practice with, they are more than likely going to be playing in this game too. So mm-hmm. it's not exactly strange for for Keenum to um to be drawn to these to these guys because he's had plenty of, of practice, obviously, to do it the last couple of weeks. But you like, you mentioned briefly about the defense, and, and I do want to speak a, bit, a little bit about it. You know, there was a lot of people expecting that the, this defense would dominate this year and um, especially with the free agent signing of Jadavian Clown, Clowney there to complement obviously the the stud that is Miles Garrett you know in the center as well with Malik McDowell as well coming in and before he went on IOR you know Awusu Koromoa had played really really well you know sort of gone under the radar I'd say a good bit um, I think he's played just as well as the likes of, say, and Micah Parsons, who's been getting all the plaudits nationally. But, um, you know, it, it's 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 a defense that has sort of struggled to sort of uh, put their stamp on a lot of games, um, especially the last two weeks, conceding 40 points in, in both games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the defense uh, has kind of been uh, an enigma because he had Kansas City, which, I mean, everybody's defense looks subpar against them uh, and then they played okay against houston and then they were really dominant against chicago and minnesota two weeks in a row held them to six and seven points uh defense looked really good they were getting pressure on the quarterback uh, no breakdowns in coverage and then these last two weeks there's been you know a lot of breakdowns in coverage guys uh reading the wrong uh routes you know jumping uh, they're supposed to be covering deep and they're taking the short un- intermediate stuff um so i think right now they're they're um trying to find their confidence and one of the, the guys that i was uh, reading about uh, john johnson i mean he was really utilizing the box a lot last year for the rams and had a lot of success and uh, he kind of feeds off of playing in the box and then he gets his confidence that way and then you kind of kind of slide him back out deep uh, i kind of like to see us go more to a man defense let our corners play man to man which the, most of them are, are very comfortable with and then kind of let the safeties get their confidence back, get that swagger back. The defense has been a head scratcher this year. This past off season, uh, Andrew Barry, the Browns GM spent a lot of energy bringing in players from different teams and, and really ramped up the defense. Um, as you mentioned, we drafted JOK. Everybody in Cleveland loves him. He, he's been thriving. Um, he worked his way into the starting lineup. He's now on IR. So that's, that's just one more 
splinter in the thumb, you know, it's just that this, this injury bug is just happening to us all of a sudden. And it's, it's becoming a big problem, but, but the defense is a real head scratcher. I, you know, I don't know why they struggle at times. And sometimes they play as a cohesive unit. Hopefully they can step up to tonight because they're going to need it against the Denver Broncos. No doubt about it. Yeah. And the Broncos, they, they did have a, a tough game on, on Sunday against the Raiders. And, you know, the Raiders sort of um, really, you know, made Teddy Bridgewater look ordinary. And obviously some people might think that that's just the norm for, for Teddy, unfortunately. Um, but he's he's come under a little bit of pressure. There are certain calls for them to start Drew Locke. At the moment, Teddy is actually questionable to play, but mm-hmm. I think expectation is he is going to play. And it's something with him. If you can rattle him early, he may he may, may continue for the rest of the game. So it, it's probably a, a lot of the onus is going to be on Clowney, McDowell, uh, Garrett to get to him early and to, you know, put the fear of God, you could say, into him. Yeah. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, you know, he does hold on to the ball sometimes a little too long. We were talking on our podcast last night, Mikey P and I, we're looking for Miles Garrett and Javdavian Clowney to really feast, to, to, you know, tonight and, and go after him because uh, Teddy Bridgewater will make mistakes. And if he holds on to that ball a little too long, we can get to him. And like I'd mentioned before, for us to win this ball game, it's it's really going to depend on our defense. Our offense, I do look for them to step up and 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 play a solid game, not turn over the ball. But it's really our, our defense that I think is going to be the key. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, the defense is definitely going to have to step up. You know, you know, you're missing Jok, who was kind of lightning in a bottle when he played. He was uh, Pro Football Focus third highest rated uh, defensive player. Uh, for, uh, for rookies so far this year, uh, he's really playing well, um, and, and losing him hurts. And uh, it's been surprising because I thought the secondary was really going to be a strength this year with the addition of John Johnson and Troy Hill. They're very solid. Um, I think sometimes I don't ever like to blame coaches because you know I was a player myself way back, um, and I never like to put onus or blame on the coaches. But sometimes coaches are guilty of trying to fit pieces into their system to make it work. And I don't think you should ever coach like that. Uh, I think you should always coach to someone's strengths and what they do well and put them in positions to succeed. And I think when you see coaches that do that, they're, they're often more successful in this league than the coaches that are like, well, no, you know, I run a, I run a soft zone and we rush for that. That's, that's, how, that's how our defense is going to be known. Some coaches, they just need to be able to sometimes, you know, switch it up and kind of feature your players that are playing right now yeah uh speaking of coaches and you know uh right fits i want to speak a little bit about baker mayfield he's not playing tonight but the comments earlier on this week were they sort of concerning to you and, and for those that didn't hear them when he was asked earlier on the week about possibly playing in this game he says it's my decision I get to say whether I play or not. It's just how it is. I can understand, like, from my own point of view, I can understand if that was a Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson, you know, these guys with the big contracts saying something like that. But for Baker, who still is on his rookie deal, some might see it as, you know, ultimate, you know, confidence in his own abilities. Others might see, see it differently. How, how did you guys... Um, take those comments to me it was uh definitely a, a, a sign of ultimate confidence and in, in the abilities that he has i think he's always been a guy that and he, you know he's that's his whole mo like he's played with a chip on his shoulder from high school to college to the pro game he always carries that chip around that's when he seems to play really well um so i think and i think he also a little bit creeps in the back of his mind that he knows you know this is kind of his contract year too so if he's not playing you can't really, you know, show yourself. And now you've potentially cost yourself a, a $30 million deal. And now you're maybe looking somewhere in the, in the realms of, you know, 20 to that $20 million range. So I think he's kind of kind of a catch-22. I always want to see my quarterback say, I want the ball and I want to be able to play. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, 
it's going to come down to the doctors telling him, you know, what's the best best for him long term, and and the team's going to you know, going to also have some say in that too. And personally, I think if if he couldn't do any more damage to the arm, they would have him out there, and he'd be out there, he could play. Um, so just that just leads me to believe that there is some potential risk that they were um, they were looking at for him, you know, long term, which shows you know they they probably want to keep him around long term now too. He's just telling the doctors, just take that arm off, docs. I don't need it to throw. I just need my right arm. It's giving me too much trouble at this stage already. But, uh, Jason, what did you make of the, of the comments during the week? I really didn't read too much into it. I can understand why you would read into it, you know, because he's basically saying it's it's his decision um, to, to play or not. No, nobody knows how Baker's shoulder feels except for him. Uh, he he went and got he went to a doctor, got it looked at. Then he went for a second opinion, and that was kind of a head scratcher because obviously the first doctor told him something that he didn't want to hear. So you, you kind of knew at that point uh, he's probably more hurt than he's leading on, right? And nobody's ever going to question his toughness. Um, so I, I didn't read into it too much. Only that Baker's a leader of our team and. I really think if he was missing his left pinky finger, he would be out there th- throwing the football. Um, so that, that's where I'm at on that. I didn't read too much into it, but I can understand why somebody would. Yeah, and I'd be interested to to get the thoughts of you know people within the fan base of Baker, um, because obviously he does divide opinion sort of for people who are not, say, fans of the Browns, and maybe it is the same within the Browns fan base. But like you mentioned, Mikey, there, it is his contract year this year. And, you know, he, he'd probably be looking for for one of, if not the biggest deal he can get. Um, would you be uh, comfortable giving him, you know, that $30 million a year? Uh, I think you always look at it and you weigh, the, you weigh what's going on. Like you look out there and, you know, from the sounds of this offseason is going to be a very interesting NFL offseason. You're going to have a lot of moving pieces moving around. Um, if I could give Aaron Rodgers $30 million for the last three years of, of his career, I'd probably go ahead and do that. If I could make a move, if Seattle and Russell Wilson finally have a divorce and they want to break up and you have the potential to do that, you know, I'm comfortable giving him $30, $40 million a year. I, I know what Russell Wilson can do, but you also have to look around and uh, and understand that, you know, sometimes uh, you have to look at what's potentially out there. You have to look at your other suitors or you're looking into the draft. So you're talking about, are they going to go back into the draft now? This is probably one of the weakest quarterback drafts coming up. So that's probably not an option. Um, so I think you could look at potentially, maybe it's not a, like a long-term deal, but maybe you could do like a one to two year um, type of deal with him um, and maybe do it like very incentive laden. To where it's like, hey, if you show out and you play out, you're gonna you're gonna make you're gonna make a ton of money. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a tough decision if if Baker were to, I don't know this, but let's say he doesn't play for the rest of the year. I, I think he'll be back and he'll try to give it a go again. Will he last the whole season? I, I don't know, but, but let's say he doesn't, it's going to be an interesting decision, you know, because if you're the Browns GM, Andrew Barry, what do you do? Um, there, there is the fifth year option, you know, instead of signing them to a long-term deal, you can give them a fifth year option and give it another year, which I think would be the smartest play unless, you know, like Mikey P said, if a Russell Wilson was to, become available or an Aaron Rodgers, obviously you would take a look at that, but we're just specifically talking about Baker. Right. I, I think that that would be the smartest thing to do, especially if you don't, we don't see Baker the rest of the year and you're left with this sample size of what he's done so far this year. I, that would be tough for me to offer him a contract for six years, $30 million a year based on what we saw this year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. And, you know, like the point that you mentioned there, Mikey, about giving him maybe a one or two year deal, it might be a little difficult just because, like you said, he is sort of that, uh, has that ultimate confidence in his own ability that maybe if, look, listen, if you're not going to give me the three, four, five years that I want, he might get it somewhere else. Um, and there is always teams looking for quarterbacks that will be willing to offer silly money for <laughs> for uh, players that they think is going to, to turn their franchise around. But 
uh, before we let you go, um, is there any other areas of tonight's game that you feel is very important for the Browns to to that they that they'll need to uh, go after to win this game tonight, and um, that we haven't mentioned? Go ahead, Jason. Well, I was just gonna jokingly say, I hope Case Keenum stays healthy. <laughs> Because I'm not even sure who our third string quarterback is, Jarvis Landry. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's kind of interesting. So that you talk about who our third string quarterback was. So in the preseason, it was Kyle Loletta, and he got released at the end of preseason. Right. They actually signed a guy named Nick Mullins, who actually started several games last year for San Francisco when they had all their quarterback issues. So they have a guy, you know, sitting on the bench, or it's going to be elevated from the practice squad to the bench, who's who's also started games in this league. Um, and Nick Mullins, so you don't want to. Hopefully, you don't want to see Nick Mullins in the game no, though, either. You don't. Um, but you know, this to to me, the important thing this week, of course, is keep keep everybody healthy. Uh, but it's going to be something over the last few weeks that Stefanski's been really aggressive with going for it on fourth downs. I think if the points are there and you can take them this week with uh, kicking the field goal, you're going to need to do that this week. Points points are going to be at a premium when you're when you're dealing with injuries. And you're dealing with you know backups at certain positions, so uh, take the points and take what's. You, you, this is important to take what's given to you this week. Yeah, for sure. And uh, finally, uh, predictions for tonight. Uh, what's what are the uh, the scores that you guys have? My, my score prediction is twenty four seventeen Browns. We were close. We each had them winning by a touchdown. Um, I said twenty six to nineteen uh, was going to be the final score. Um, but that was when I knew I thought Baker was going to be playing uh, with Case. I, I think you could see, you know, a little bit lower scoring game. Um, but, you know, 20, I'm going to stick with my original prediction of 20. I was going to say, yeah, Mikey P, keep it the same, man. Let's just <laughs> roll with it. I'm going to keep it the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stick to that. Uh, stick to your guns, man. Of course, you got to. Um, but, yeah, and look, it, it, I think, yeah, you're right. I don't think it's going to be a lot of points. Like the, the over at the moment from what I'm seeing is about 41 and a half. And, you know, that's probably about right. I think actually it might stay under that. I, I was thinking maybe, a, you know, a 20, 20 to sort of 14 sort of game or something like that mm-hmm. going that way. So I don't think it's going to be a lot of points. We've been treated to a lot of great primetime games so far this year, you know, Every now and again, there's got to be one low-scoring one in there, and I think this could be this could be the one. It just with all the injuries as well, not just with the Browns on 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 the Broncos side of things as well. They they I don't think they have anyone left at wide receiver anymore. No, yeah, they're they're banged up too there, and uh, that's, yeah. that's that's the whole proponent. Like uh, I was never a big fan of the Thursday night games, other than like when they play on Thanksgiving, and you know that I think they're gonna re. You're probably gonna see that when that comes up in the next like contract talks and with the union and stuff like these Thursday night games. They, I think each week there's been a high priority injury every Thursday night so far to start the season. So wow. I think, think they're going to have to start thinking about these Thursday night games long-term for the game. Yeah. I, 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 it's too much, uh, too much money involved in it. And now that Amazon, I think are getting involved in the Thursday night games, you know, uh, it's, it'd be very tough to sort of see, you know, mm-hmm. money, unfortunately rules all, and I, I don't think the the league would be any rush to get rid of them, unfortunately. Um, even though, like, if if we could have a football game on every day, it'd be well, great. Well, I don't, know, I don't know. I don't know if you guys remember, but they at one time they did it. It was like two seasons they did it. They actually did two bye weeks in a in a season. So it was an eight. It was a, back then it was an eighteen week schedule because they had sixteen games. So you'd be looking at something like a nineteen week schedule. But it's definitely like if they want to keep the Thursday night games, they could they could do it to where. If every team had two buys, they could build one of their bye weeks in, and then they come off the bye and they're playing that Thursday night. So maybe yeah. that maybe that's kind of a, a scenario they could look at. Maybe I need to write a letter to Roger Goodell. <laughs> yeah, and look, that's that is uh, you know that's a pretty interesting way of saying it because, like we've mentioned it a couple of times here tonight, and it's mentioned so many other times when we when we preview Thursday night games, it's always looking at after you know you've got that ten days rest after that mini boy after, not enough attention is given to that before. Like I said, it's mm-hmm. a four day turnaround. These guys are only doing pretty much walkthroughs as well, and it's really hard to sort of game plan. So it's most of the game planning is probably done the week before where they're trying to get two games worth of, mm-hmm. you know, tape in, 
in the one week. So it, it is tough. And like you're saying, Mike, if you do that, if you can organize to make sure you have your bye week before you go um, into that Thursday night football, I think that's a way, like you're saying, of keeping everyone happy. I know Absolutely. for myself, I'll do yard work on Sunday and I won't recover till Wednesday. So I, I don't know how these guys do it. They play on <laughs> Sunday and then four days later playing again. It's incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> That's how I'm trained. We train on a Sunday over here. And then by the time the following Saturday comes along, I'm still in pain from previous Sunday. You know, it's, just, <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's that's it that's it and I, I don't know how these guys find time to work out in between it's almost impossible at this stage you know yeah. um but guys thanks so much for taking the time to speak to us tonight and uh, we really appreciate it before we before we let you go um you just uh let people know where they can find your podcast where they can find your socials um if they want to continue hearing more about uh brown's football Sure. You can find our podcast uh, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Um, The Yard Dogs podcast is the name of it. You can find me on Twitter at Browns Huddle. And you can also find our podcast on Twitter at Yard Dogs Pod. I got to get used to saying that because we just <laughs> we just changed our name and everything and, and redid our logo. So so we're very excited about it. Mikey P and I joined forces together at the beginning of this year. And um, yeah. So yeah. you can find me on Twitter also at Mikey P four twenty two. If you ever want to come on there and talk some football, I don't just talk Brown. So talk about any team. I, I am a, uh, a huge football buff and fan. So. Excellent. So I oh, don't worry, Mikey, we're going to be having uh, plenty of conversations about how you think you can get Russell Wilson away from my Seahawks, but he's not going anywhere. <laughs> There's no divorce happening, right? He's staying where he is. I had to deal with in the first part of the show with the rumors of him going to Denver and now he's going to be going to the Browns as well. well I, just, okay. I, I just keep sending travel brochures to his wife for, uh, and like <laughs> the school school systems for Cleveland. So I just, yeah. I'm just trying to get, get through him to it from his wife. So <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, you could probably, I, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe LeBron or something can give her a phone call. Just say, look, I, 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 I went back. I left and I went back. That's how good Cleveland is. You know, you yeah, got to come go. over. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but listen, guys, it's been great having you on. I hope you uh, enjoyed the game earlier on. And uh, fingers crossed for you guys for uh, a Browns victory. Thank you so much for having thanks, us on. Man. All right. Thanks no for problem. having us on. Have a good night. No problem. And that is where we're going to wrap up this edition of the Thursday Night Football Preview Show. If you are staying, if you are in Ireland, you're staying up to watch the game tonight. I hope you enjoy it. Um, and make sure that uh, you are uh, following the guys on Twitter and listening to their show for a post Thursday Night Football show. I'm assuming, guys, that will be out in the next couple of days. Uh, we actually record on Tuesday nights, but next week we're going to co- record on on Wednesday night with with Garrett Bush. So that's that'll be our next guest on the show. Excellent stuff. There you go. That's the show to look out for for the for a breakdown of the game when, uh, like you said, with with Garrett Bush. So we definitely want to check out. Like I said before, we go, guys. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at UndercenterPod, Instagram at UndercenterPod, and uh, make sure you're following our. Subscribe, I should say, to YouTube under Center Podcast. That's where you'll find our betting show on Friday morning for you to give you some tips for week seven of the regular season. We've had a few wins so far. We hope to continue that. But until next time, enjoy the game and we'll see you soon.